group of frogs were happily, happily hopping through the forest the other day. As they were hopping through this forest, two of their friends fell into this deep pit. Their friends gathered around looking for resources to help them out. And as they looked in that pit, they said, whoa, that's too deep. You guys are done for. You're not, not going to be able to get out. Their friends did not accept that. The two guys were trying to jump out of that pit with all their effort, and they couldn't get out. The friends around at the top were waving down, saying, no, no, save your time, save your health. You're just going to die. Might as well die in no pain, with no agony. One of the other friends said, you know, you should have been following those froggy rules. You wouldn't be in that situation if you'd be paying attention. Those two friends continued for hours to keep hopping out of that pit. And each hop they did, they didn't get to the top. Finally, one of the frogs decided, you know what? I'm going to take heed to what my friends are saying. I'm just going to rest this out. So he lay down and he croaked. Pun intended. The other frog decided not to take that kind of journey. And he was still, through all the pain, his muscle aches, was still hopping and hopping. And his friends noticed that he was still hopping. He said, no, rest yourself. Just take a break. Just die these last few minutes with no pain. Relax. He wasn't taking it. He just kept going. And miraculously, he hopped the highest he can hop, and he got out of that pit. <clears throat> As he came out of the pit, the friends gathered around him. They said, what were you doing? We told you just to give up. And astonished, this frog was reading their lips. And he explained to them, I'm a deaf frog. I thought you guys were encouraging me. You guys had your hands up like this and shouting. And so the perception of them being encouraging to him got him out of that pit, despite his circumstances. The simple frog story contains a powerful lesson. Your positive words, your encouraging words can uplift someone and help them push them through the day. Or your words of negativity or destruction can cause deep wounds. These weapons, these words can destroy someone's ambition, someone's willingness to try, and can even end their life. Your destructive, careless words can diminish someone in the eyes of others. It can destroy their influences and how someone perceives that person, and it can have a lasting impact on the other way, on the way others respond to that person as well. Let's see what the Bible has to say about it. In uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about Christian living, how we take off our old self and put on the new self. Also talks about how to deal with anger. And um, we're going to dive more deeper into encouragement. That's what we're talking about today, to build others up. So go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians 4, 29 to 32. It's on the screen here. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, even deaf frogs. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, all anger and rage, the brawling and the slander, along with every form of malice. 
Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, forgave us. Now, I've been dealing with this, this topic of encouragement. I've been tested with it daily, and sometimes I do it right, and sometimes I fall short with it. Um, sorry, I lost my spot. Thank you. Thank you. Some topics. Uh, weight management. That's something that's been depressing me. Yesterday with my son Elias, we were at Silver Spur. Hits my belly says, Daddy, you're fat. I said, yep. I said, why? He says, you ate too many airplanes. So that's encouraging, right? Not to eat any more airplanes. I'm going to cut that on my diet. Home life, including messes and trying to get two, two boys to clean those up. Messes stress me out. Um, the busyness of our lives, how we schedule our time. Um, specifically with Jeremiah. So you guys know Jeremiah and Elias have hemophilia, so trying to deal with him and his health and to make sure our, our health provider gives him the proper treatment so he can be like a normal boy. Um, he's struggling with school. What kindergarten do you know doesn't want to go to school anymore? It's sad. And some, some of those efforts at school, we're trying to get them tested to make sure to, to see what the cause is to try to help them out to be a successful, successful student. So I found myself focusing on these problems and the stresses, and I reacted to them. Um, Paul said there's danger in that. He warns us about the danger of anger and how we react in anger. When Elias makes a giant mess, I, I struggle to hold my tongue. I know I need to encourage him. I need to build him up. I need to teach him. What I know to do and what I often do are often a difficult divide. And I find myself saying things that I regret. If you ain't got something nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's in the book of Yo Mama, chapter 6, verse 7. Yeah. You can write that down, Book of Yo Mama. <laughs> I met with Gary uh, late January to talk about a message. And at that time, I was thinking communication would be a good message to talk about. But right after I talked with him, it was encouragement. I was slammed with encouragement that week. And uh, early February, uh, we were starting a fundraiser for our Hemophilia Foundation that helps support our boys and our family. And so uh, I sent an email out to my coworkers at Semieto, my coworkers at the adult school, and co-workers at the district office, at the management team, including our superintendent, Chris Corey. And within 10 minutes, Chris Corey responded to my email. And that's what was really impressive of her words. Have it up here on the screen. Um, she said, hi, Daniel. Unfortunately, I'm already committed that weekend. I will definitely donate, though, and I'm so proud of you and your commitment to this cause. I was very impressed, and I felt encouraged with her words. Her words were just saying, I'm so proud of you. Not just her financial support, but what she said, I'm just so proud of you. And the superintendent of all people at a district office or in the district at all, you would imagine they have so many responsibilities, different things they have to do, but to respond to my email as a teacher within 10 minutes. Um, so definitely impressed with that, with her giving me those encouraging words. God bless her. Let's go back to the verse uh, 429. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, 
that it may benefit those who listen. As you guys know, I'm a math guy. I want to break this down. Paul has a math formula for you guys. All right? So here it goes. The first step. None of this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. You can underline that or highlight whatever you're doing to take your notes. I'm not going to tell you how to take your notes. Number two, only this, but only what is helpful. And number three, so that we're building others up according to their needs and it may benefit those who listen. So from this formula, from number two, we can pull out the helpful talk or speech. And then we're going to subtract number one, unwholesome talk. And that's going to equal to build others up. Okay, that's a formula that you can use for your algebra test next week. <laughs> Jeremiah has been discouraged lately. Like I said earlier, not feeling wanted to go to school. He's had some problems here at the church, had some problems in baseball, and being feeling like left out and not wanted, feeling like a bad guy. And it breaks my heart to see that, especially for a little five, now six-year-old. We have conversations at the house about random things, and he had like this cool little Minecraft character had glasses on, and it looked like an inventor. He says, Daddy, what would be a good name for an inventor? I told him, I got one name in mind, my favorite inventor, who has all these great ideas. He goes, yeah, yeah, what's his name? I said, Jeremiah. He goes, that's my name. I said, well, yeah, you're my favorite inventor. I love to see the way you think. I love to see your inventions when we build Legos, we build it toward the instructions at first, but then he goes and he does these modifications. And that comes out of his mouth as a six-year-old. Modifications. He modifies his inventions. Well, after you he heard me saying that, that he's I mean, my favorite inventor, his eyes lit up. Um, his whole persona was uplifted, and it brought tears to my eyes. How easy is it to uplift a child? But how much easier is it to bring him down, to tear them down? I get upset when Elias makes a mess, my three-year-old. He loves Cheerios. <laughs> he loves them more on the floor than in his bowl. And he knows that bugs me when he makes a mess. And I'll say things to make him feel bad. So an example to help him out, he spilled Cheerios lately all over the floor. And instead of yelling at him and getting mad, I said, it's okay, Elias. Grab the broom. Grab the dustpan. I'll help you clean it up. So I want to share what God has to say about our words. Proverbs 25:11, Like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. The ASB. And then the next verse is James 3, 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. See what Jesus says. talks about our mouth being our front line. Uh, Jesus addresses this in Matthew 12, 34-37. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account... For every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. So, I mean, we can pull another math formula from that. 
If the fruit is bad, the root is bad. Let's go back to what does encouragement mean. You guys saw a video I put together with some of my students and uh, my teacher buddy Aaron from earlier, what encouragement meant to them. But by definition, we can break that word up. Look at the anatomy of it. Some science for uh, Lori back here. Encouragement in the prefix. That means within. Courage means strength in the face of pain or grief, mental and moral strength to venture, preserve, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. And the suffix meant means action. So this breaks down to actively put courage inside another person. That's what encouragement means. And encouragement, by by definition, is never passive. It's active. Actively giving people courage. In this passage, Paul gives us three clear ways to be encouragers for Christ. First, we have to examine ourselves. Then we can encourage with our words and actions. So, first part in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. We can actively encourage others through our words and our actions. Verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. We can lift people up with our words and we can tear them down with our words. So pop quiz for you guys, true or false. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. On the count of three, tell me. One, two, three. False. False. Just to reassure you guys, you're correct. You passed my test. Um, There's a list I found from Tom Shepard, and this struck home with me. Think about the impact, the effect these words have in these different situations. The first one, the effect the words of a parent have on a child. The effect the husband's words have on a wife or vice versa. The impact the boss's words have on an employee. Words said in love. I'm sorry, I skipped one. The words of a teenage bully talking to his peers. It was brought up to me earlier, like last week, we had like this teacher appreciation. Um, we posted on Facebook for our previous students, posting like where they're at now. And I actually had someone comment, a person from this building back in Liberty days, and I was a teenage bully. And she remembered to this day, she goes, man, it's great to see that you're encouraging all these others for being a teenage bully. I'm like, whoa, I'm sorry that I Fifty or something said you had something on your shirt. She said, no, it's worse than that. I said some mean things to her, and she still remembers that to today. That's hard. That's harsh. Of course, I tried to resolve that, asking for forgiveness, and she did, thank God. Words said in love. Words said in anger. Words said encouragement. Words said as gossip. Or even the last words on a deathbed. Those can have big impact. Words do mean things. Third, let's look at our actions. Verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, 
forgiving one another just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. When I think of encouraging actions, I think of a lot of people from our church here. The actions that you guys have helped us as a family. Um, before we were moving two years ago, some of the ladies from uh, Motion, Faith in Motion came to help Caleb pack up while I was out on a training. That was definitely a helper. Gary standing at the door, making sure our kids don't bolt out the street. That was helpful. The Smiths for watching our kids, watching one of the kids when we had to take the other for ER treatment for hemophilia. Matt Skinner waking up at 5 a.m., working out with me, telling me he loses his airplane. <laughs> Chrissy Dorman's patience and willingness to talk with Jeremiah from his child class, the adventure zone. The failures adopting us as their family, as their own. Recently, the Ticers, Carmine, and Rachel, Rachel, there's Rachel, were helping us. We had a hemophilia ride last month here at the church, stepping up and helping volunteer with us. And all the support and help that we've had from multiple families with the hemophilia. So in closing, I want to challenge you guys with a five-day challenge. All right, this is your homework. First two days, I want you guys to pray. I want you guys to pray for God to examine your hearts. Specifically for things that were found in verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Now be prepared. You might be hurt a little bit of what God might be revealing to you. These aren't kind things that we want to hear, but it's good for God to reveal them, to get rid of it, as it says in Scripture. Days 3, 4, and 5, I want you guys to say something or do something encouraging to a friend in person, make it personal. Not tweeting, not social media posts, or a mass email. Four just to five of your friends before a... Never mind. But make sure it's personal, all right? That's what I'm asking you guys to do. And you may be thinking that this is fake and not real. So don't say things to people that you don't mean. Say what you mean, but make sure it's encouraging. Look for something positive to say to that person. Watch their reaction and see if that helps you in being a better encourager. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. I ask, Lord, for you to reveal the things that are said in verse 31, that we can get rid of those things, Lord. And help us to be encouragers for our peers, for our family, our church friends, people we work with. I pray, Lord, that they see you through us and that we build people up. In Jesus' name. Amen.